Welcome to another episode of Fight the Burnout. Today we have Clee Tillman. Uh, he is a police officer uh, over in Pennsylvania in the U.S. Uh, I was on his podcast just recently, which was awesome, and he's uh, now jumped over to ours, and uh, I think he might be shitting a few bricks because he's like, oh my God, now I have to answer questions. Uh, but as always, before we jump into having a conversation with Clee, uh, I like to say, focus on one thing from today. Whatever hits you the most, whatever you feel like at the end is like, oh my God, that hit me take it away and just start putting it into action. Just start reminding yourself of it, start working on it, uh, and you'll be in a way better position in a year's time this time next year. Uh, make sure as well that you like, subscribe, and share this uh, episode around so we can get it to more people, get it to more first responders, police officers, uh, so that they can um, you know, have a really loving and th thriving career because we need you guys. A world without law enforcement is a world I do not want to be in. Uh, so um, without further ado, this episode is sponsored by uh, Create From Why, my business. And we are talking about, at the moment, promoting the Lean Into It motorcycle retreat. This is where you're going to interact with business professionals, other coaches, uh, other individuals who are on a growth journey uh, so that you can come, you can ride, you can recharge and just leave with having tools to be able to have that feeling like you get on a motorcycle, but not having to have the motorcycle all the time. So want more information on that information is in the description down below or go to MotorcycleMastermind.com and find out more. So Clee, without further ado, why don't you take it away? Tell us a bit about yourself, how you've ended up where you are now and doing what you're doing. Uh, and then we'll go from there. Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, thank you again for allowing me to be a best uh, guest on your podcast. And uh, it, it feels actually different to be in reverse. Uh, like you said, you were on my podcast and did a tremendous job. Uh, things about me. I, I'm a second generation police officer. My dad was a police officer here locally also. So I had the burning desire in my heart when I was about four years old. My dad passed away early. I was about two years old when he passed, but I remember everyone telling me stories about him, seeing pictures and things like that. So when I was about four, I knew I was going to grow up and be a cop. I didn't know. Uh, I I, th I thought everything was going to be like John McClane and I was going to be diehard and it was going to be fun like that or lethal weapon or things like that. Um, <clears throat> I always wanted a job where I'd have a, it'd be different every day. I'd be helping people and I wouldn't have to do a lot of paperwork. And I did not know that getting into this career I was going to have to do a lot of paperwork. However, it's still it's uh, it's, it's still a fun job. It's still very worthwhile. Uh, so therefore, I played a lot of sports growing up, um, football, wrestling and track, a little baseball, a little um, basketball here and there. Um, then when I graduated um, high school, I joined the Army. And when I was in the Army, I was a parachute rigger. Uh, I got coaxed in by my recruiter, still love them. But, you know, they they kind of coaxed me in. I, I was going to go in MP or firefighter. And they said, let me tell you one thing. How would you like to be the first kid on your block to jump out of an airplane? And I was sold. I was sold after that. So I became a parachute and I learned how to pack parachutes, inspect them, inspect drop zones, jumpers, anything that had to do with aerial uh, um, uh, parachuting or anything like that. Jumped out of, out of I don't know how many para, uh, airplanes in my career uh, until uh, I didn't reenlist. I did the, the, the term and got out. Uh, once I got out, I started working a couple odd jobs here and there. Um, before I actually really started to get that bug again where, you know, I got to figure things out. Um, <clears throat> and then I joined the police academy. Um, and the police academy was a lot of fun. Uh, it, was, it reminded me a lot of basic training, but it wasn't as difficult. It was longer than basic training, but it wasn't as difficult as basic training was, at least to me. Um, got through that with ease. Uh, started my first job in a small borough, uh, not too far from where I'm at right now, about a half hour away. Small borough it, with uh, it was uh, two full time uh, officers, and I think at the time four part time. And I was the fourth part time officer until I got hired uh, full time. In a short amount of time, I worked there for three years. I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot working there. I'm glad that I had that experience. Even though it was a low-paying um, uh, job and opportunity, it garnered so much experience that I would not have got with my current department that I'm with now uh, had I not been there. I had a lot of fun. I met a lot of great people. Uh, the mistakes that I made there uh, were easy to grow, come back from because it was a small town. So you had time and ability to actually 
uh, bounce back. Then I'm with the current department. I've been here for about 14 years, um, uh, moving up the ranks. I've worked as a school resource officer. I've worked patrol, of course, uh, patrol supervisor now, uh, mid-level supervisor. Um, <clears throat> I've worked uh, the task force uh, undercover for a few years. That was a lot of fun. Uh, and then all the trainings that come with it. Um, it I, I'm engaging with public and engaging with community service, enforcing the law, having all the fun and doing all the paperwork as well. <laughs> well, it's good to hear that even as a mid-level sergeant, you're still doing paperwork because I know a lot of times people are like, yeah, I'm going to become sergeant. And then they just like palm the paperwork to all the guys underneath them and don't really do it themselves. Um all right, perfect. Well, Clay, before we jump into kind of, you know, experiences with burnout and the things, you know, to keep you, you know, I know you've been in the career for quite a while now, keeping you in and keeping mm -hmm. that joy and that fun side, as you, as you said multiple times, what would be your definition of burnout? Like, what do you define burnout as for yourself? Burnout, I think, is a physical and mental. Um, uh, always dealing with stress. You're tired. Um, you, uh, you're, you're, every day seems like it's a bad day. You get to the point where you're mentally you're like, what's the point? There's no positive outcome going on. Um, you, you feel like both sides of the coin, uh, either your department and the public are always against you. Um, you're tired of doing the work. Every day is redundant. you you get complacent, uh, loss of appetite, uh, loss of numbness of feelings and emotion, uh, not sleeping well, looking toward other vices, maybe as in um, some sort of sleeping pills, some sort of alcohol uh, to kind of either rejuvenate what may be there or just numb you through the, the times when you're off. Um, burnout can look like so many different things. Um, but to me, I think it's when the enthusiasm has pretty much dissipated and everything just seems mundane. And for lack of a better term, everything just seems appears to be gray. Yeah. No, yeah. I've, I love the answer. Uh, so Clay, your first tough question. Have you had bouts of that during your career in the last, how many years have you been in now? Uh, I've been total uh, 17 years um, total uh, 14 years with my department now. Yeah. So and over the through, 17 years, as well as even, five, you know, however many years in the military and, you know, jumping out of airplanes and packing shoots and that, have you had, do you feel like you've had levels or bouts of your, you know, of burnout? Absolutely. Um, I think um, for me personally, I think the highest level of burnout or when I realized it um, were, was a couple of times in my career. One time, um, maybe uh, either 2015, 2017, I was going through a divorce with my wife, um, <clears throat> going through the family court system. Uh, everything was just cloudy. There were no answers. I felt burnout that way because I had outside um forces uh working at me it wasn't job related but it was affecting my job because mentally i wasn't able to sleep i had a lot going on i had to focus on so many different aspects it was just ping-ponging different things uh so i know um that that was a form of burnout for me i was able to bounce back once things started once the dust started to settle per se um but i really hit burnout during the covid um, during the COVID, during the protests and riots, I was front. I got called front line to our capital. I stood there with the riot shield and baton, and that was a long day. We got we got uh, bottles thrown at us, bricks thrown at us. We spit on uh, anything imaginable for hours on hours. It was a very hot day. Uh, there was very we didn't have relief at the time. It, it was a long day, and so I remember <clears throat> uh, me and it wasn't even our department. We were backing up another. It was all cars needed basically. So anyone who was working, they sent any available officers, and me and three and two other three other officers that I work with went that day. Uh, we worked that entire day shift, twelve hour weekend, and it was just rough. The very next day, it, we were just kind of numb and tired and drained and mentally we were working but we weren't physically we were working but mentally we weren't there um that led into after well, that entire summer it was just like what's the point it, it, i didn't want to i was tired of having conversations about it 
Uh, I know people were like, how are you doing? Is everything okay? I'm like, I'm tired of people asking me this question. Just leave me alone. Let me be. Uh, I kind of went into my shell. I went into my bubble. Um, and I know that how, how we talked about uh, backstage on um, the beer cans. Um, we were able to uh, bench pressing beer cans. Well, uh, alcohol became my friend when I was off duty um, because it was very, uh, while at work, <clears throat> I, I did my job. I did it effectively and fully. While, when I was off, I didn't feel like going anywhere. I didn't feel like going to the grocery store. I didn't feel like talking to anyone. I didn't feel like I didn't want to run into anyone I knew. I didn't feel like answering the phone. I didn't feel like watching the news. I didn't even feel like watching movies or TV shows because they reminded me so much of everything that was going on. So I kind of set myself apart from the world. And then when you do that, it needs to be replaced with something. And unfortunately for me, I picked the unhealthy thing where I was one beer turned to five beers where uh, and then uh, when you're off um, going out to eat or whatever, getting something to eat, one shot of liquor turned into five shots of liquor and then you're just done for the whole day. And before you know it, you're I was using that just to get through the day so that therefore I get back to work and go through the motions there as well. Uh, so that that, that I, I know I faced burnout there, mentally mental burnout, until I actually had to sit down. I forced myself to actually sit down and and talk to a therapist and actually get all that anger, all that pent up aggression and everything that it was bottling from years of police work. But I think that was the icing on the cake when we that COVID year was a, a tough year to get through, and getting that out was uh, much needed, very needed. First, I want to I want to say thanks, Clay, for, you know, for saying that, because I know you just said what so many officers in the U.S., especially and worldwide. Wanted to say <laughs> or want to say, wow, because the, mm -hmm. a lot of them don't talk about the fact of the stress and the pressure that that put underneath them. We're seeing more and more obviously leaving now than ever before, especially in the U.S., um, so I want to, I want to praise you for, for, for saying that and being so open and, and honest with that and saying that you went, you know, you sought out therapy and that you had a, uh, you had a struggle, you had, you had something going on and you, you, you attacked it, you attacked it on the head. I know we've just made it sound extremely easy and I know it wouldn't have been that easy, um, at, at the time. Um, I know you mentioned on there that it was a years of law enforcement and then that was the icing on the cake. Mm hmm before we go into the years of law enforcement, why do you believe that? Because I know physically wise, you said it in the beginning, physically wise, 12 hour day, it was hot. You were staying on that line. You had people throwing bottles at you, obviously high alertness. So there was the physical burnout there to start with. And then mm -hmm. they added the emotional side on as well that just continued and continued and, and in a way is still going to this day um, in certain aspects of you, especially if you look for it. Why do you think that that day was your i guess your kind of avalanche where it just started to all just fall fall downhill and fall apart why do you feel that that it was that day that you kind of go back to um that's a good question um that that day was a pivotal day uh that day i can remember what i had for lunch i can remember roll call uh it's one it's kind of like um the 9-11s or, or the, the the discovery when when the um, ship blew up, you remember certain things. That, that day I remember very vividly. Um, being called down there, we were supposed to go down and support, not knowing that we were going to be going down as the front line. That, there's two different things. Uh, yeah. Support, we were just supposed to block a roadway and turn cars around, turn people around. That's what I thought. When we got there, we were told to suit up immediately. Uh, I'm like, oh, wow, we're, we're really in the, we're in the mix of it right now. Um, and then being there and actually recognizing people from the community that I knew either from growing up or or did that dealing with uh, while on the job. And so me in, in the occupation, I'm one of the, I was one of few African-American police officers that were there and knowing people and being talked to while you're standing in a line very uh, degradingly. I got called every name in the book except my actual name. Uh, that I had things thrown at me. I had a, gla uh, a glass jar of relish. I'm assuming is what it was because when it hit the ground, it turned green. I'm hoping that's what it was, but I had to deflect that with the shield that was thrown at me. Um, it, it, it's a very v memorable day. It was very negative. Um, and it, it, 
it, it's a game changing kind of day. I know the academy prepares you for so they we the the academy prepares you for domestics, for DUIs, for shooting stabbings, for setting up perimeters. Uh, they somewhat quasi prepare you for a riot, at least from what I remember. I'm a few years removed. Um, but to actually go through it is something totally different. Uh, I remember there was a place, there was a time that uh, when I was standing online where more pe there was more people in the crowd than there were officers on holding the line. And so I'm like, wow, this is going to get worse before it gets better. And I went to a place in my mind where I said, I, I actually got comfortable with, I'm going to die today, but I'm okay with it because I, 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 I got to a, a comfortable spot in my mind. It's kind of hard to explain, oh. but I got once I realized that things aren't going to get better and that we were the backup and there's no backup coming um, anymore right now, anytime soon, that if things go bad, then we're going to die today. Most of us. Well, I was already prepared that I was mentally ready to die that day. And I unfortunately uh, I got to that headspace. Uh, that headspace changed me because it set off a different switch where I went into primal mode, I believe, where I was ready if if we had to go defend ourselves. I was going to defend my, myself and my and hold the line as best as I could until until we couldn't. Um, but uh, fortunately, we did not. Um, but it changes you mentally and emotionally to actually have to absorb that headspace. I don't know if I answered your question or not. No, but I, you, I, you, just, you you did yeah. and beyond and beyond, man. It, it gets you into that psyche, and I've been in that kind of a little bit in that psyche before, not kind of in that scenario. But when you get into that primal era of your brain, and I don't think people realize this, when you get into that primal era of your brain, it is either you give up, and most cops don't give up, or you turn into I will kill every person that I have to. So I stay alive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as a police officer and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like this is probably you and most of the people that I know that are cops as a police officer that goes against like the, the feeling and the thought that you can get to that place goes against yeah. every value that is in your being because you are there to help everybody beyond even helping yourself. And it does it, it changes you emotionally. And so in turn, it explains exactly why you burned out after that situation. It wasn't a physical burnout. It was a full on emotional one that looked like a physical one. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> because now you're sitting there going, now you're fighting with your own brain because you've just now gone, shit, I can become the person that I defend civilians against. Exactly. I, I remember that very vivid. I'm like, it was I, I, in the academy and through trainings. Don't take things personal. You hear it all the time. But when you're in the middle of it and you and know people and people are calling you, like I said, they called me everything but my name. People knew who some there were some who recognized me, knew who I was. And still. And I'm like, I've helped you in certain situations. I know where you live. I know your parents. I've, I've, I've been to your house for so many different things. You you know the style of person, the style of officer I am, and you're going to come against me right now. I did take a lot of things. But you're, you're coming against me when you know I'm here to help you. And I'm here to, this is my occupation. I'm here to protect, serve, and provide. And it's that the switch is like, wow, They I, when you get primal, it's, it's a, a us against them kind of mentality. Yeah, it's a it's a difficult one, isn't it? Um, going through and learning everything that you did going through that process. You know, I'm sure it's made you a much better officer, a much better father, husband, partner, all of the different things. What would be like the number one or two things that you learned as a police officer during that that you now use to benefit you? Uh, what I've learned to go going through that that now benefits me. Yeah. The community is very important. Education, basically, why the, the reason why I do my podcast now is to humanize our profession. It's, it's spark, it was sparked from that. Uh, I learned that once the media gets a hold of certain information and harps it, harps it, harps it, then you, you get an emotional response from uh, the the pub the same public that you protect and once emotions take over um and it's raw emotions then 
so many different things can happen. So my, I learned that I wanted to change the narrative that was being force fed to us to show the positive side of police work, the positive side of law enforcement, the the the, the different trainings that we have, the different publications, what we actually go through, humanizing us to actually show that we are husbands, that we are sons, that we are fathers, or or, or in marriages and have kids, um, that we have other occupations that we like to do. We do like to attend sporting events. We do like to attend concerts, different types of whatever your passions are. We do like to pursue our passions as well. And we like to, to protect and keep the peace. Uh, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about the, the other officers I was there with uh, because they had a rough time too. And, and it, they, it brought them down to a level where they had to dig inside themselves and they became better officers and, and they, I see them on calls now and they handle themselves so much more professionally. Uh, I, I can't attribute it to that situation, but they understand communication, body language, and, and, and knowing how to talk to someone is a lot better on a call than it was. It seemed like it was beforehand. No, it's, you know, it, with every, with every crap situation, good things can come out of it. Mm -hmm. if we focus on that. We can focus on it. I like to I like to rewind things and learn from things and go, okay, cool. What can we do to prevent it going ahead? Now, I'm not a cop in the US, so I can only relate to what I can here. But this is why I talk to people like yourself, Clay. Uh, if you were to have to go into that situation again, say it was exactly the same, you got called up, didn't know, like same thing, but with you now, like you as you are now, what would you do different? What would I do different? I would I would take a deep breath. I would do combat breathing or um, or um, controlled breathing. It's so, called so many different techniques um, where you hold, take a deep breath in for four seconds, hold it in your body, blow out of your mouth for four seconds. I would do that at least four times to regain, to get oxygen back to my brain um, so I could actually focus in understanding, you know, this is part of the job. This situation is not my fault. The situation is not in my control. I, I can't do anything with the crowd and i with a more clear mind and a clear brain i can understand that okay they're talking to the uniform they're not talking to me uh their emotion is attacking everything that they're upset with with the uniform and not take it so personal i love that it's so it's so true you know disconnect yourself from the uniform so that it still keeps serving you even in those high risk situations i'm going to go to the pivotal moment of when you realize oh my god we might die what would you have yes. done differently if you had to do if if you if that same thing was happening again with what you now know about yourself? Oh man, uh, understand again that um, the situation is bad. Um, that uh, knowing now that I I know how it strategically it works. Um, that there is more backup there. That if things do go bad, to hold the line best you can and and know that there are other officers coming to help. And it, it's whatever it's going on in my brain, it's not going to last forever. If that means a good person told me, no matter how good it gets, no matter how bad it gets, nothing is going to last forever. And actually know that, you know, there's a chance of survivability. There's a chance that everything is going to simmer down. Uh, it may not come to extreme finite uh, at this moment or in any upcoming moment. And that you, this too shall pass and, and we'll be, everybody will be okay. I love that, man. I love the learnings that you've learned by going through everything that you have because, and the fact that you're focused on it, the fact that you see it, you know, for so many officers mm -hmm. that I know you coach people as well. And I do as well. You know, the amount of officers that I've coached and people that I've coached is, is just getting out of that, that vortex, that, 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 yeah. that, um, that drainage of the negativity and, and hitting in that. And if you can catch yourself and you have multitude of tools to be able to grab yourself out of that spiral you can you can do you can you, know, you can change the trajectory of of your of your mind and of your feelings and of your emotions and and actually again be that better that better officer um like you know we, we talk about all the time i have a little bit of a question that i that i wanted to know and this is a personal one you don't have to answer if you don't want to what is it What's like up? the last few years especially working as a police officer with all the anti-cop stuff around from the black to cop it's like oh my and being an african-american police officer and being at the brunt of that yet you're like 
okay, yeah, I'm one of you, but I'm one of you, like being one of both sides, what's it like? And how is that, how does that help you and benefit you as a police officer? Hmm. Um, it's two sides of each coin. Um, there, there's a lot of areas I'm very strong in um, because uh, people, again, that I may know, the community that I'm more, uh, more comfortable going into, uh, they're like, oh, okay, this officer Tillman here, um, this, this certain dynamic looks just like me. I look just like them. Uh, they're like, okay, you, you're actually here to help. I can, I've been in situations where my presence has actually calmed both sides down to able to get the job done. Um, so there, it's very satisfying to actually be um, an individual that, that can be a calming effect. Mm -hmm. uh, and, the, and the exact opposite has happened too. I've been in some uh, racially charged situations where, again, I'm the only uh, African American person there on scene at all. And it, it's not the I, I've been called every name in the book on on not, the riots weren't the first time. Um, but it's it's sometimes once I'm able to take myself out of it um mentally as in this they're not talking to Clee Tillman per se they're talking to officer Tillman in the uniform it really it it's doesn't bother me as much anymore i think i've self actualized within these past couple of years in the first few years it really did bother me because i i grew up in a multicultural community uh where i went to school with all walks of life i've been to bar mitzvahs birthday parties a lot of different cultures and so i didn't think that is so many things were still in existence until i became a police officer and maybe they are maybe they aren't i'm not here to discuss if they are or aren't but i know there's a lot of people who are just bad and angry people and they want to find a way to push your button and they'll find whatever they can to push your button and not letting them push that button. Um, doesn't get, I don't get a rise out of it, um, anymore, I, it, whether they do or not. Um, it is beyond me. Um, but I think it's a unique experience, um, because I get to see things from a different lens but it it makes me be able to better talk to people as well um, because I, I have learned to communicate in areas where I used to be weak. I had to be strong because I can't react the way that I'm expected to react if I get called a certain name or something. I have to rise above and 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 and, and talk above. And I think I've become very good at that. Uh, so my communication it, it has gotten tremendously better and not taking, again, not taking so many things personal. Yeah. Now realizing that it's the badge that they're talking to, not the, not the person behind it. Um, no, I love that, man. Thanks for, thanks for answering that. I know that it'll help. How do you feel that being able to do that and advancing your communication skills helps you to not burn out these days? Oh man, talking things up the what verbal judo. <laughs> I took that training itself. And I, I think becoming a used car salesman is the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw a couple situations where it could have gotten physical. Um communication is key. Whether it, you can speak somebody's language, whether they're dropping mofos or any kind of whatever, whatever they're saying, if you can speak there and make it make sense, you can, you know, I understand you're going through a problem. However, this, for, for one, I have to do this. So understand where I'm coming from. However, if we can mitigate this or find a way to make it easier on you throughout this process, as long as we will treat you right, just make sure that you treat us appropriately the same way as well. We're not here to cause any dissension. We're not here to hurt you physically. And we don't want to do that. And, you know, the more you, the better you cooperate the better the outcome will be however there's certain things we have to do so let us go ahead and, and get that out of the way as soon as possible i think communication is a big key uh and communication is learning communication and leadership with this occupation is a necessary necessary must yeah would i can uh, yeah can't agree more with that um now clay how do you because i you know communication as you said is a is a, is a must how do you communicate or how have you learned to communicate with yourself so that those things like the riot days and the when people are talking at you, like what are some of the things that you say to yourself that you've learned over the years that people could maybe take away and, and apply to themselves? Good question. Good question. Again, the first communication isn't I have to remind myself to breathe. Um, and that's a technique that I've learned in the army, learned in football, but I've really learned it after going through therapy. It, um, you 
the the for the in the combat breathing it kind of resets your body it gives you that you can do it anywhere people don't even have to know you're doing it you can do it right in the middle when you're being called to something and it's a chaotic call while you're going there you can do the breathing and it naturally calms your body down and then uh, that's that's the first thing i have I, like breathe and then go through the br the breathing process resets the brain then you're a little you're more calm and you can hear things you have your uh um not hindsight your uh, peripheral vision where you can you're not you're not in you broke the tunnel vision where you can um see things um from a different angle you see different things coming at you and then say to yourself you know everything's going to be okay everything's going to be okay no matter how good it gets no matter how bad it gets this can't last forever those those are the mantras that, that get me through even if it's just a bad day at work and i'm not even I, I, it just is hot and there's accident after accident and we're standing there sweating on, on the pavement. And it's just one of those days where you're, you, you can't, you miss lunch and you can't get a catch a break and it's call after call after call. And it's alarm call. It's 911 hanging. It's just nuisance calls, but it's just a long day. Just, you know, it won't last forever. It'll be okay. I love that. Yeah. The, uh, the tactical breathing or the box breathing as well. I think oh, fuck, what, what's his name? Uh, the ex Navy seal, he talks about box breathing a lot. I can't remember his name space me at the moment, but yes, box breathing is a massive one. It, and it, you touched a little bit on it around the peripheral vision that it, it lowers the heart rate, mm -hmm. which then lowers the adrenaline rush. And when you lower the adrenaline rush, mm -hmm. you open up your peripheral. You don't get that, the, the tunnel of death as, as, as we call it sometimes, or the red haze. Um, and by lowering that heart rate, then you're actually, you know, your, your blood can go to your extremities, your, you, you get your fine motor skills back, all of it. So I love that you've really learned to implement that in and then tell yourself, you know, it's gonna, it, it'll get better. I'm curious because there's a, there you've talked about physiology, you've talked about language. What do you focus on though? When you actually say that it, it'll, it, it'll get better. Like, what do you actually focus, I focus on? on making sure that I break the tunnel vision, it'll get better. Uh, look side to side and making sure that at, like you said, uh, that it's the, the, the tunnel of death is broken. Uh, focus on the situation in hand. Um, okay. I'm being called to uh, active burglary. Uh, all right. Where's it at? The location. What's the ge 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 geography? I'm stuttering. Sorry. Uh, looking like getting pieces set up in the place and like, okay. Uh, what are who's who's working? What are strengths and weaknesses? I focus on the call and I focus on how we can uh, have a better outcome in the call as opposed to being in, for lack of a better term, condition red and just reacting, reacting, reacting. And and in that reaction, we have a tendency to focus on the negatives a lot more of what could yes. go wrong instead of the things that how we can make it right. Like you said, that the the outcome, the the um what we want to have happen. Uh, nah, I love that, man. Now, I know you're a sergeant, so in other words, you're leading people. Uh, how do you make sure that you're helping your officers that you lead prevent burning out and so that they don't get into that emotional, physical state where they just don't want to be there and then they make those bad decisions, as we could call it? Um, having conversations. I'm a peer um, for the county that I work for. Um, and recognizing um, certain situations that I may, certain uh, aspects of another officer that I may see if they're reaching burnout, if they're not doing things, if they're not hanging out when we have our platoon nights and we go out uh, at the end of our shift and all hang out, just consistently they're not available. Uh, that could possibly be a red flag. If they're always withdrawn, if they're, they always seem depressed, having a conversation just you know even while we're working like hey buzz everything okay hey how, how's how's the wife doing how are the kids and having those conversations and getting that hey if if things aren't okay you know you can we can have a one-on-one -on -one and be totally off the record i'm okay with that because and then being humbling myself and saying because when i was going through a certain situation this is what was happening to me and i don't know if that's happening to you but if you can relate to that then let me know i can guide you through that you, you, sometimes you just need a coach to guide you through the darkness and there is a light at the end of the tunnel i would tell them even if they don't whenever they're ready have the conversation not even with me with someone they feel comfortable with someone they trust before things get worse because things have a way of spiraling out of control before you even know they're out of control and get ahead of the game before it becomes a bad situation. I like that. I, I, as much 
it, it, I know it's a repetitive cycle, but it, if I, it, as much as I would like to mitigate that for the newer officers coming on, uh, they, they, they too will still have different problems. Some I can relate to, some I can't. I wish it could be a perfect world for everyone coming on. Uh, again, it won't be, uh, but to actually know that somebody, to let them know that somebody's there that'll, that'll can somewhat understand and have their back. I, I, that's a tremendous feeling. No, man, I, 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 know, I, love, um, I love what you're doing. It sounds like you're doing some great stuff. What would you say to those officers that maybe don't have as good of a sergeant or leadership? I know that it's a big, it's a big buzz thing out there at the moment. The bosses just don't get us. Um, <laughs> What would you say to somebody that's identifying that, hey, maybe that maybe they've been listening and they're like, hey, actually, wait a second. You know, that sounds a little bit like me and maybe I am struggling. Maybe I do need to talk to somebody, but they don't feel like they can talk to their sergeant or lieutenant or anybody, you know, kind of close to them. What would be your recommendation to them? That, uh, again, being a peer, that we have an uh, agency, we have a website, again, that is outside law enforcement, that if you don't feel like coming to anyone that you, you work with or anyone with another agency or any anything like that, there's it's totally confidential to where if it breaks confidentiality, that that's it's a legal structure that, that they're set up to where they have to be confidential. So your conversation is safe. Uh, they'll get you in and with the match up with somebody who you're comfortable having that conversation with there. They don't want to leave anyone behind. So even if it's not me or anyone else, then at least, you know, shoot the email or shoot, make the phone call, reach out to the agency where they'll find time, whether you're off, they'll, they'll find a neutral location. There's so many different ways to, to meet up with someone and just get things off your chest. Mainly the part one is the, the start talking and get that stuff off your chest. Mm, yeah, so uh, your program itself. Yeah, um, the program that your department has. Can anybody, even if they're not in your department, still um, contact them? Absolutely. Um, our program is countywide. Um, it's actually um, multi-county now. Uh, so even if it's another officer from a different county that uh, I, that may, me personally, I may not know or they don't know me, uh, then yes, they can still uh, reach out to us. They have email, phone numbers. Uh, there's on that that information. If not that, then again, the program itself. So, what's that? What can you say? What the program is, or how somebody finds that? EAP, the uh, Peer Access, um, Mazzetti and Sullivan. I don't have. Sorry, I don't have. That's the, all good, man. The, the website with with me, um, Mazzetti and Sullivan. If you look that up, you'll be able to find that. M M U Z Z T I and Sullivan S U L L I V A N. Mazzetti and Sullivan, yeah, you look that up. I'm cool. pretty sure you'll be able to find that. Again, I'll reiterate, most departments around the country and around the world that I've talked from what I've talked to people and chiefs and stuff like that, they all have some sort of EAP type program. Uh, and so, yeah, I would recommend like like you just said, Clay, reach out to one of them and and just just talk. You know, it's one of the best things that I did. And also, I'll put my spin onto it. Remember that not all people that you get put in with are the right person for you. So be okay with that. And if you're not feeling like you connect with them or you resonate with them, ask for somebody different. It is okay to ask for somebody different. You're not going to hurt that person's feelings. They totally understand. Remember the best counselor I had was like, hey, I'm here. We're going to talk today. If you feel like I'm not the right person, then please tell me and we'll find you somebody different. Um, because it is so, it's so important to have that, to feel comfortable there uh, with that. Wait, uh, new new cops new cops coming in what would be your one to two things that you would uh recommend to them that they do so that they don't physically and most importantly emotionally burn out i would say keep it make sure you keep a hobby uh have something to do uh, that you love to do that is not job related so you actually can have something that takes you away from law enforcement where you're not doing law enforcement. It keeps you enjoying law enforcement that much more better. Uh, whether it's my thing, of course, is podcasting, writing books, uh, anything along those lines, creating content. Uh, um, but if it, whether it's biking, whether it's climbing, whether it's lifting weights, whether um, it's swimming, whether it, it it's going to, go, going out and I don't, I don't know, there's so many different hobbies 
going to the library, volunteering at the, that's what I was trying to think, volunteering at the food bank, uh, um, helping out charities, going to churches and doing things like that, working with the boys club, working with the youth, whether it's coaching, so many different things you can do. We, our job, we work 12 hours a day, but that gives us that much more time off as well. And don't let that time, time is one thing that you, if it's wasted, it's gone. Don't let that time just go by not doing something that doesn't replenish you. Uh, replenishing yourself is a necessary must as well uh, because the job takes so much from you and eventually if you let it drain you and you don't fill yourself back up then you're going to of course hit that burnout because you're going to have an empty tank so i would tell them to make sure have whatever your hobby is keep that hobby take on new hobbies do something that is enjoyable to you and it, it's a de-stressor i love that man i love that i also know like from my experience in coaching and interviews uh one of the big things is how you focus on that hobby as well because like weightlifting you said weightlifting training you know the the volunteering that could have the focus of oh this is to help better my career what do you yes. do with your hobby when it comes because i know your podcast you know i've been on it it's all about you know police and interviewing cops and things like that so it could be you know related to work um how do you sh make sure that that focus is shifted away from work and make sure it's not still draining you like work can so my my secret hobby um is i've been writing uh books since eighth grade whether it's short stories or whatever i have a few back here um those are more self-help but i'm working on a lot of non-fiction books um that is my current passion researching it learning about it learning content learning how to do character development like i find that I'm, I'm a big geek i find that very interesting and that is that i could work on something and the entire day goes by just like that and it doesn't feel like work at all it just feels like fun it has nothing to do with police work it has nothing to do with the podcast it just has i have so many ideas and stories in my head where i feel like if i don't get them out they're gonna be gone forever so working on that it just it takes me into a different place uh like I, i'm a big geek i like um marvel science fiction uh trekkie so so having that different diverse uh background of things to do also replenishes me personally nah, i love that i love that man yeah so making sure that you do have some hobbies that actually have nothing to do with 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 work i've yes. got paragliding and 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 somewhat motorcycle well, motorcycle riding is kind of coming into it a little bit but that is my replenished thing as well so no i love that um only a few more questions here the big one that mm -hmm. i like to ask everybody especially those that have ha done some self-awareness because normally they kind of have a little bit more of an idea of it what would you say your why is that thing that drives you that always has from a very young age that 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 driver obviously you want to become a cop early but what's the why behind it um like mine for example is to help myself and others truly see who we are, who what we're capable of and who we are um and that's all to create the best version of ourselves so and that stems from my dad going to, going away to um, chiropractic school when i was like two and a half three years old and me feeling like i wasn't seen or heard so what would you say yours is, Clay? What would you say your why is that has driven you and all the different things that you do, both personal and professional? My, my why is, of course, helping people out. I really enjoy that. It, it fills me up. Uh, I do like helping people when I can, especially do it when others cannot or will not. Um, but um, so more so now, my why is leaving the world a better place, especially for my sons, leaving a legacy, whether they want to uh, do this job or not. Uh, I want to at least lay down a foundation where they they when they're grown into uh, fully grown men um, that they are able to take care of themselves, of course, um, follow their passion, follow their purpose, uh, develop themselves into the, the men that they're supposed to be and be beneficial to society where they're they're actually impacting society in a positive way. And of course, if I can build if everything I do, I'm laying brick by brick to build that wall and eventually once i can no longer build that wall they take it on and they build a house out of it and continuing to build that's my why i i want i want to build something um for my sons to take over even if they even if it's not this uh for them to actually know if dad did this i want to be better than dad i'll work harder so i can do this and i i, I that's that's what keeps me going so to be that inspiration that inspiration yes. for people uh, I love it, man.
so what would be I guess what would be something that you would say to somebody who's unfamiliar with why what drives them like their why what would be your recommendation for finding that why oh another good question you got me in the hot seat today huh (laughs) (laughs) finding your why is um sometimes can be very difficult as well uh i i think um what it was one of my coaches said to me keep throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks you know uh if if you're still trying to find yourself trying to find your purpose whether it's law enforcement or just in life period um you know try real estate try acting uh again a volunteer do different things um to where you you see i i'm good at this i'm passionate at this i want to learn more about this uh finding your why you may think that uh, we got one guy who who worked for a local um Verizon uh he thought he was going to uh, run up the corporate ladder for Verizon he found out that wasn't his passion then of course he changes occupations he gets in law enforcement and he's tremendous he's doing he's loving it he he's it, w- what others had to work for, he's gifted with. Um, he found his why, he found his passion, he found his purpose. That's just one example, of course. But once you, you keep doing things, keep trying different things, of course, earlier when you're younger, you have that time and ability. Doing things, throwing things at the wall, f- seeing what sticks until you find your passion and purpose. And then once you find what that is, then then go balls to the wall without and just build that and make the best version of it that you can. No, I love that, man. I love it. Just keep trying different things. Um, I will drop a little thing. If you want to learn more around like my process to find the why, it's a little seven-step process. You can actually download my uh, ebook that I have that's uh, in the description down below, uh, createfromwhy.com forward slash book. And there's a step-by-step process to really do it. And then you can find what you what will serve it the most. Uh but I know that you, uh, you know, you've got the podcast, you've got a few things that you different things that you do, or maybe even if people just resonate with you, and they want to reach out to you, and maybe, you know, ask you some more questions. How do people get in touch with you and tell us a little bit about what you do besides law enforcement? Absolutely. Um, the way to get a hold of me is workwithclee.com. Work with C-L-E-E.com. Uh, that's access that I, I get emails for that for the podcast itself uh, to do voiceovers. I do certain be safe cartoons like you, you saw during that. I, do I love them. Of safety. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Trying to get that information out there. Um, we're going to have certain be safe books coming. Um, but of course, we have the podcast where we highlight anyone who is in law enforcement, whether it is um, law enforcement or first responder, whether they are rookie, season or retired tired um and we discuss their um trainings their publications their background their shared stories uh also work on certain be safe like i said publishing company one-way publishing uh motto is they turn a mere thought into a book that's bought so again uh if it's self-help uh, if it's uh, law enforcement related, if it's not law enforcement, if it's fiction, nonfiction, uh, they can make that book happen. I wrote five myself. There's a couple clients that that are having their dreams come true as well, having the, a, a published book uh, come to fruition as well. Um, it seems it's nonstop. It's nonstop. That is um, most of the things that I, if I'm not working, then I'm working um, one of my passions, um, whether it's creating content uh, with the book or working on the podcast itself. I love that. I love it, man. So just go to work with Klee.com. Uh, I will put the link down in the description down below. We'll also underneath that, we'll drop the episode there. Klee interviews me uh on on there <laughs> as well so that more people can get a get a listen to that, you know, get some more listeners and 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 um people to to your podcast as well there clay uh i wanted to ask actually i'm gonna put you on the spot here clay if i haven't already what does sergeant b safe have to give us today oh what does he have to give (laughs) us today (laughs) and if he has nothing right now because i put you on the spot this is out of the blue uh just let me know and that's all good we can we can we can leave it to it and i'll put a we can we can direct to mr b safe um to sergeant b safe um afterwards (laughs) Starting Be Safe is a cartoon cop where that has developed um, because I uh, wanted to have safety content interlude um, like Smokey the Bear or McGruff the Crime Dog or Officer Friendly. Uh, so he was developed to giving safety tips. And, you know, that's your tip of the day that gets you on your way is his catchphrase. And he will have a new um, 
uh, skit done for the podcast this upcoming Wednesday, and he will have new content, uh, uh, new skits done for the month of March as well. So I, I can't give all the secrets away. You guys got to stay tuned and check him out. But he has his friends, uh, Captain Chaos with his canine Kraken, and the bad guys, Rob You Blind, Chance Wilder, and Treacherous Tony. They're always on the prowl. You're gonna have to go look up Clay. Uh, I'll let Clay. I'll put your LinkedIn uh, link as well in the description so that people can go uh, have have a look. And I know you post some of the stuff on there as well. So um, yes, I'm looking forward to seeing what Sergeant B Safe has to say uh, next week. Um, last question I have for you is: What would be your top tip to self happiness? Self happiness. Uh, I think I would re- self happiness would I would relate that the law enforcement again back uh because law enforcement uh, like we talked on our podcast when i interviewed you cops don't reach out cops are the fixers cops don't need fix uh i think that one way to self-happiness is actually understanding that yes sometimes we're going to need to ask for help yes sometimes we're going to need fix allowing people to enter we build up so many walls and barriers but sometimes we have to let those walls and barriers down and allowing someone to come in and having a real genuine conversation with us and having that conversation they take out the toxic grudge sludge that is inside of us and once you remove that toxin and fill it up with something more positive or get you on the right path in the straight and narrow you naturally become happy because it feels like the weight of the world is coming off your shoulders and as you're guided you start moving in the right directions so again I, i would i would say law enforcement again reaching out for help when needed and even if it's not needed just to have a conversation unloads a lot of things on your chest uh, I love that, man. I love that. Uh, as we wrap up here now, Clay, uh, any last words or anything that you'd like to, you know, give out to our viewers? Um, you know, I, again, Chris, I think you're doing a wonderful thing. I appreciate you allowing me on your platform. Uh, I had a great time sitting in the putting you on the hot seat, being the host. Uh, you're having your time with me, having a great time uh, getting this information out. I think this information is um showing cops the human side of cops showing uh um uh, thing make, making us again humanizing us um having these discussions having these topics is so important and i think you're doing a wonderful thing and i think um with bringing your information and as you're being a coach you're helping a lot of people more people than you know i appreciate it, man i appreciate it. yeah i know there's so many people out there especially officers that stay quiet but they still get a lot of a, a lot of stuff from what both of us are doing so um, keep doing what you're doing as well, Clay. And uh, I appreciate you for being here. It's a, it's an honor and privilege to, to have you here and, and have the insights and knowledge that you've, that you've passed on today. So this is create from why fight the burnout. Uh, and as you have seen, we get some really good, um, guests on here that will open up, talk about things, but it's one thing listening. We've got to really make sure that we actually take and we put things in action because we all have Google. We can all get a doctorate in Google and Google everything, but it's a matter of what we do with that information that matters. Uh, and if you put and you just implement one thing in, just one thing, and you actually get really good at it, you're gonna you're gonna change your life. You're gonna change the way that you have a re- your relationship. You're gonna change your world, your work, everything. So just please just implement one thing. Make sure you do reach out to us if you need any assistance. It is Chris Chan- Chris at knockingdemoncoaching.com. Uh, and or you can go to my Instagram or LinkedIn. It's just Chris Chandler Yates and you can find me there or reach out to Clay. If you find you resonate with him more, that's why we get people on here. Reach out to Clay. You'll find all his details and how to access him uh, in the description down below. Again, thank you, Clay, for being here. Thank you, everybody, for listening and watching. Make sure you share this around, like, subscribe, uh, help us out, and we will talk to you soon. My motto is train hard, test easy, because we're always going to be tested. So we may as well train for them all so that we uh, test the easiest.